It's a comic book pit. Okay. episode 250 last uh just this past weekend and that was free comic book day and that was the first time we'd recorded obviously it was my fault because um i moved about three oh and as you know when you move you, you're turning your whole life upside down it, it took me and it I, took me about a week just to find my microphone <laughs> and and i had surgery so <laughs> you had surgery yeah you had minor surgery and you went to a, a minor surgery. yeah it wasn't like brain surgery or anything like heart no, surgery. no, it was like uh, out of work for four days kind yeah. of surgery. <laughs> so. um, but you, and you also went to Star Wars Celebration, which was yeah, and, you know, the, was... like the lead up, getting ready for it, being there, and then coming back and decompressing from that would be it's like it was tough. it was bonkers. in a good way. It was well, not not necessarily all. Good. Oh, okay. Like it's this is the first time I've been to. This is my fourth one, and this is the first time that I'm like. It was great, but it wasn't all good. Okay. Um, I got because they had no idea how to handle the amount of people that were there. Now, was, um, was this a new organization running it? Or? No. Oh. No, it was Reed Pop. Reed Pop that runs um, New York Comic Con, Emerald City, mm-hmm. you know, like C2E2, I think they do that one. They run big shows all the time. And they, and they actually ran um, Celebration for the last, I think for... The last three or four. Okay, so this is not you know, new territory for them. No, they they should know how to handle it, and they I don't know what happened, man, but they just had like a brain fart. Like they, all right, so let's in uh, in Anaheim, you know the the previous show there was sixty thousand people, and now they moved it to um, Orlando this year, and there were seventy thousand which is, um, you know, the highest, you know, visited Star Wars show yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so 70,000 people is a lot. I mean, New York Comic Con and, you know, San Diego, they're probably up around, a, get closing in on 150,000 people per weekend. Um, somewhere up there. But uh, 70,000 were like, ah, oh, they can handle it, because, you know, there were 60 at Anaheim. And, you know, previous ones at, in, uh, or, were in Orlando, and I think the last one that was there, they only had like thirty-five thousand people. So like they've doubled their their people for this venue, and it just like day one there was um, lines around the building, you know, like that as far as the eye could see, and uh, and you know it's you know five o'clock in the morning, mm. and the show opened at ten. <laughs> 
And, wow. Uh, and the news, you know, the news helicopter showed up and was like, all these people are outside waiting to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, like, you know, three, you know, um, metal detectors set up at the security checkpoint. And they're like, oh, wow, we didn't know there would be this many people. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I mean, well, how do they not know? Because, I mean, you, it's not like you can just show up to this thing, right? I mean, you have, I mean, people buy their tickets. I bought mine a year ahead of the schedule, so... I was, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, then, you know, like, I, every day it seemed like it got a little better. Like, they figured out how to get people in the building so they weren't all outside. Um, they had more security checkpoints. They had three... By day three, they had three entry points. Um... You know, like, so they, they improved on, on things as they went, but it was like, why didn't, you know, this is, this is their bread and butter. You know, we were just surprised that they couldn't get it right, right out the gates. And, um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but, uh, and then like some of the other things that changed that, um, in hindsight, we were like, why did we do, you know, like, what were we thinking? But they, <laughs> they had, um, you know, for entry into a lot of the, the main panels, um, you know, like the big ones, like the 40th anniversary, the last Jedi, um, you had to have a wristband. So like people were literally showing up the day before and standing in front of the building, waiting and, and camping on concrete for the next morning to get the wristband at 5 a.m. And, then waiting until 10 a.m. for the doors to open, and then the actual event was at 11 a.m. Um, so they, there were people that were literally putting 24 hours in before the events, and um, and we're like, why? Why did they do this? You know, like, I mean, and then the other thing they did, um, different from Anaheim, the the biggest um, arena in Anaheim held 7,500 people, which was Nice. You know, we were like, that's pretty good. And then the one in Florida only seated about 3,500 people. And we're like, hmm. so they went to a smaller venue with less seats in the main room. So, like, there was literally people that stayed overnight that didn't even get into the main room. Yeah. Wow. Like, it was like, and, and what we realized by the end of the weekend was, we're like, we had to earn everything for this show. Like we, had to, we had to fight, we had to get up early and and stand and sit on concrete and do our, you know, like, we were there at 5 a.m. every morning, and, and you know, we were on the go till like, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So we were literally only getting, like, four hours to four to five hours of sleep. And um, we're like, oh, my God, like, this is unbelievable. And, and it all, you know, revolved around them having that wristband rule. Um, and, uh, you know, but we, you know, we prevailed on many occasions and, you know, we got to see Mark Hamill and, uh, Warwick Davis, you know, that was, he was the moderator for certain panels. So we got to see him, um, uh, okay. you know, and then like the, you know, the reveals were fun and, you know, I, you know, a collectible hunter and, uh, I found, you know, a lot of, a bunch of the exclusives that were at the show I was able to get and, and a lot of that was just being there early enough to get in you know, and gang rushing, you know, vendors, uh, you know, with a, you know, a couple hundred other people. 
Um, but I will say this, like, as far as, like, the fans, the fans were were above and beyond the best part of the show. Um, everybody was super cool, even though it was frustrating. Um, you know, everybody maintained their lines. You know, like, even when there was no defining line, they were still like, no, mm-hmm. no. You'd be like, no, this guy's in front of me. You know, like, you're in me. Yeah. No one else is in front of me. You know, like, every person was doing that, like, no, he's cool. You're not. You're getting back to the line. And, uh, yeah. You know, and it was like, you know what? I mean, this is this is awesome. Like, the people the people were just totally, you know, uh, you know. Oh, and then we saw Weird Al, which was pretty amazing. Um, they had an after party for the 501st. Um the Stormtrooper Legions, um, right? For anybody in the know, um, and they help. They have their big party every year, or well, not every year, but at every celebration, they have a huge party, and you know, you pay, uh, you know, you buy a ticket, and they put every every dollar goes towards the the event. So they were able to afford Weird Al um, for the show. And they had, you know, he did a like about an hour's worth of music, and uh, wow, and it was just great. Like he did songs that I thought I'd never hear live, and it was just amazing. Um, because I've seen him so many times, I thought maybe you know he would just do a part of his set, and now yeah, he mm-hmm. went, you know, he went for deep cuts. He went for songs that no one expected, and like. You know, I looked around and I think there was four of us that actually knew words. <laughs> so I was like, "This is awesome." <laughs> but uh, so it was. So on one hand, it was totally worth it. Yeah. And on the other hand, it was brutal. Worst, worst decision ever. Yeah, it was. It was um, <laughs> uh, very hard to say that if it's gonna, you know, like even afterwards we had we had all talked about it and like be hard to say that I would go back if it was run the same way. Uh, they do the, you know, you have to show up. Like, for instance, if if you're going to see a panel at 7 p.m. on Saturday night, why do you have to get up at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning to get the wristband for it? You know, like, it just didn't make sense. Like, there was stuff like that. What are we doing? Like, we really want to see that. Um, they do a, um, this was one of the cooler events of the show was um, uh, they do a like a radio show where they have voice actors on stage and they read a script and they play sound effects and they basically record a radio show and uh, hmm. uh, it's and it's excellent it's it's you know done through these and they, they said this was the final one it was a trilogy um, basically Hansel adventures and um, it was, I'll, have to, I'll have to see if I can get a link for you just to see what, just to see how they do it. Um, mm-hmm. So much fun. It's a lot of you know, unknown, or I wouldn't say unknown actors, but lesser known actors um, were on stage for that. And, um, you know, it was great. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to say, since we were talking about, we're on the comic book pit, um, I did get to see some artists there. Um, I didn't get to see Phil Noto, though, but he was there. Yeah, oh, I know. I was like, ah, oh. and um, uh, uh, John Tyler Christopher, who does all the um, action figure variant covers for Marvel, he was there. 
Oh, yeah, okay. he was there at a couple booths just doing signings, like, right out on the show floor. So I got to see him, you know, doing his thing. And, um, you know, and they just have their table artists, you know, that are all Lucas-approved artists. And, um, you know, and then we got to talk to the guys that uh, curated um, Ralph McQuarrie's artwork. You know, like, Ralph McQuarrie had passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's basically, you know, the the visionary for Star Wars, you know, that right. all that, and, you know, and they had, they had prints for sale and these guys, you know, they're, they're from England. They're like, we knew, we knew him. They knew everything of, you know, and they were showing us like original, you know, sketches and they're like, are, you know, these are for sale. And we're like, I was like, give me a number. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, that one's about 20,000. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. I was like, you're like, give me another yeah. number. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, but like, it ranged. You know, he was like, he was just like, you know, each piece has its own price. You know, but like, whatever sure. one I was looking at, you know, it was crazy, crazy numbers. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause okay. a second. I think Jared is. I think he's ready. Gonna be with us. Okay, let me see if we can get special you appearance here. by Jared, featuring Jared. Can we get him? Fingers crossed. Come on. Big money, big money, big money, big money. He says he thinks he's good. Let's see what we got. Still trying. (laughs) It's swollen. Still trying. Call Ah. failed. Oh, and he just this. Oh wait, he just dropped back down too, though. Yeah. He went back down. Okay. Well, let's keep going and see what right. happens. Jared, we're uh, we're trying. We are trying. <laughs> He's um, much, much like uh, the Flash or something. You know? I'm trying to reach out to Flashpoint. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's goes, sort of goes from CBP Pass. <laughs> um, that's sort of my, you know, my wrap up of and um, I do have pictures. I, I was going to just put together a little, like a little album or something. And put a, yeah, that would be great. Say. I think people would love to, you know, people that, uh, you know, like, 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 I love Star Wars, but you guys are on a, di- like, a different level. Yeah. Then, like, I'm, I guess, it, like, no matter how much I love Star Wars, I'm always going to consider myself a casual fan compared to you guys. I did not, I didn't even realize that I'm apparently ahead of the curve, you know, on like, of the, you know, like I read some stuff recently that, um, you know, like the average Star Wars fan spends $300 a year on Star Wars merchandise. I was like, <laughs> that, that's like all? 300? <laughs> I'm like, that's a weekend. No, I just, no, it's not that bad, but, but it's bad. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, seriously? 300 for a whole year? Like, what are you even buying? Are you buying anything? You know? But no, I just kind of laughed because then I realized, I'm like, wow, I really am like a, a, a super fan. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, c- considering what most things cost, that's really not a lot. No, I was surprised, like, some of the numbers they were throwing out there. And I was like, I was like, Amateurs, you know, like come on. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, if if you factor in oh, like in... Go, like going to see like movie tickets and the cost of the like the new merchandise and then the cost of vintage merchandise. I bet I spend three hundred yeah. on on Star Wars comic books in a year. You know, not to mention all the other things. Just in the Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, the new books that Marvel's putting out. I mean, there's a there's plenty there. And then I buy, I just bought the volume one of the original Marvel run omnibus because because it's there. You know, I was like, I'm now I have like you know edition of you know the first 44 issues of Star Wars. You know? mm-hmm. And now I don't have to you know worry about opening my old ones and you know my originals. So, oh yeah, it's okay. stopping. All right, well, we got a lot of a lot of comics. Yeah, about. yeah, I got yeah. Like I, I'm basically jumping into summer crossovers, you know. And I know you got some, you got some things going. Yeah, why don't you go? Why don't you go should ahead. we start with go the first. button? Yeah, I think I think we I think we should start with like kind of the the big summer crossovers from yeah, um, Batman. You know, Batman and Flash. Uh, it's like a mini crossover right now, and I imagine this will probably, you know, continue over the summer somehow. But for now, they have a four-issue crossover series called Button, and this is finally the story that um, addresses the uh, Watchmen Smiley Button that um, appeared, you know, when they rebooted, you know, after Rebirth uh, of the universe, mm-hmm. and Batman was like, "What the heck's?" With this smiley button, um, yeah, because uh, after he found it, pretty much, I, I feel like it won best again for at all. Time. Really, I mean, they yeah. they danced around in uh, Superman. They danced around it a little bit, you know, about what's going on and how the Watchmen are involved. Um, you know, there's suggestions that Ozzy and uh, uh, the blue guy, for the name. Oh, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, um, Dr. Manhattan are involved and are meddling with uh, the time stream. Um, but, you know, this is all pretty much speculation at this point. Like, there's been really no solid proof. And um, so now we have this new story um, where, you know, the Flash... Oh, and, you know, at Rebirth, you know, like we were joking around, but, uh, you know, the Flash um, rescued... Kid Flash, they can't name either. Drawing blanks now. Yeah, I yeah, think right. but basically he pulled him out of the the time stream um, and mm-hmm. remembered him. Like he was trapped because uh, no one actually remembered he existed, and Barry remembered him. And yeah, and that was kind of a that was a real that was a very it emotional was. moment. Yeah, it was an excellent issue. <laughs> um, but uh, so now you know, Batman and Flash are the ones that really were. Um, touched by this this anomaly, and so now they got their own little crossover um, to invest. You know, they're they're investigating this, and um, these are like some of the best comic book stories I've read in in a long time. Um, I mean, just like they're just bumping on all cylinders. Um, trying to think where it starts, but uh, basically Batman is analyzing the button. Like, that's kind of where it starts, and um, Reverse Flash shows up out of nowhere, who's supposed to be dead, and just starts beating the hell out of Batman, 
uh, and then, uh, you know, that's sort of the first issue. It's sort of just um, reverse flash going nuts, and then he um, disappears into the time stream unknown, and when he comes back, he he dies on the spot. Like, they're like, like, what the hell? You know, like, for a first issue, like, what the, you know, Batman's laid out, um, first Flash mm-hmm. returns, and then he's dead again. And it's like, wait, what? And, um, you know, and Flash shows up at the end as well, so then um, they decide to use the time sled, which I think is probably one of the goofiest uh, things ever. It's like the, t- the time treadmill. Oh, oh, the cosmic treadmill, treadmill, right. Which is just silly. I mean, that somebody somebody's like, yeah, you just run on a treadmill. That's, I mean, that's old school. That's like silver. It age, is, man. and you know, that's kind of what I like about this book. This, this, this thing is just this story is going everywhere. Like it in that issue of Batman, they laid out the panels like it was Watchmen, um, you know, and then in this Flash issue, they they totally go old school with the uh, styling, and um, you know, and they they manage to travel back to. Um, uh, Barry's uh, other universe that he created, um, where Bruce Wayne's father is Batman, and um, and they get to meet him. He's like, you know, so Bruce gets to meet his dad, and it's like this is awesome, you know, <laughs> like. And they're and, and they're both Batman. Yeah, they're both Batman. <laughs> it's like this is so cool. That's pretty wild. Yeah, and um, you know, but now they're on. You know, they did three issues. There's only one left, and um. You know, I don't know. I don't know where this thing's going to end up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, and uh, Reverse Flash returns in it too, when they're in the time stream, and they figure out that this is the Reverse Flash um, from Part One when he disappeared, and they actually run into him while they're traveling through the time stream. So they're like, uh, they're like, no, you die, and he's like, no, I. You know, I, I know he goes, I've seen everything, and, um, you know, so they just leave it there. It's like, what the heck, you know, this is going to be, I can't imagine with issue four that it's just going to be over. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the launch for the summer. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. just, I was going to say, I mean, I'm sure the, the ramifications from this story is going to, you know, echo yeah. throughout the whole DCU. Yeah, well, I mean, they, um. You know, like I say, with Superman, they've already touched on that, too. Um, you know, with two Superman running around and and some of the, the Elzons that have happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, yeah. it's And then they did uh, lenticular covers, which are always fun, too. You know, <laughs> I paid the extra dollar. I was like, give me the fancy cover. Um, but they have regular edition, too, so you don't have to pay if you, you, know, the, you know, the bells and whistles. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, yeah, I... Yeah, highly recommend uh, reading it and, you know, like, just kick back and enjoy, like, it's like old school comic comic telling. And it's <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to look, I'm going to have to look that up because I've, I've been hearing nothing but good things about those those issues. And I'm, I'm super far behind on all my DC reading. Um I'm probably like as far as Batman. I, I probably thought I'd get issue ten or eleven. Yeah. So I'm I'm super far behind. I mean, and and those aren't like, I actually 
broke off from Batman for a little bit. You know, like they got into the Bane story, and I wasn't really interested. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I jumped back in on this issue, and I didn't really need. Oh, okay. So, so you don't have to read yeah. up to. I, I did read. You know, I was like read the Rebirth issue. That's really year, so. that's really all you need for this. Like okay. because you know because it really does pick up with Batman in a lesson the button, and you know he and he basically recaps for you and says I've been looking at this thing every which way for a year and it's done nothing, and then like and then it actually crackled, um, you know, with some energy, and uh, that's what got them, like, you know, he called Flash. He's like, you should come over and check this out, and uh, Reverse Flash got there first, um, okay. so it was. Just kind of that's where, you know, you really don't need any other um, backstory for it, you know, besides, you know, what happened years ago um, in the DCU. But, uh, um, okay. yeah, you know, they'll fill you in, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, well you uh, you mentioned, the you know, the old school storytelling, and I'm going to use that to segue into... One of my picks of the week, and uh, I read Nick Fury number one yeah. from James Robinson, and the artist is just um, Aco, just A C O. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that's how this person is just credited. A C O Aco, A C O Aco. I don't know. Um, actually, I okay. So I and and this is. Nick Fury Jr. This is the African-American Nick Fury that was shoehorned into the comics a couple years ago as the son of the original Nick Fury, who also has um, the Infinity Formula that Nick Fury has, you know, in his body. So he's, you know, he's not like Captain America where he, you know, where he won't age, but he's, you know, his aging is slow and he's... Faster, tougher, whatever, yeah. stronger. Um, but that character, you know, b- because of his origins and, again, feeling like he's just been shoehorned into the Marvel Universe uh, to replace the old Nick Fury with the Sam Jackson yeah. Nick Fury. Um, I didn't like that. Yeah. And, 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 and so the character never really held any appeal for me. And, and eventually they kind of just shuffled him off to the side. I know he was part of, like, the Secret Avengers for a while, and they, they kind of threw him into stories here and there, but I don't think... They didn't really know what to do with him. Right. Right? So, uh, well, now he's back, and he is a agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and ta- uh, I'm going back to my original talking point, which is... Yeah. Um, James Robinson and, and Akko put together a first issue that feels like it is um, something that Stan Lee and Jim Steranko would have done in oh, the 60s nice. or 70s. Um, it's it's just a straightforward spy story, just kind of like a like a casino heist caper. Uh, he's got you know he's got some gadgets, he's got some tech. Um, the art is just these amazing two page spreads. That um, Akko puts together, and and nice. I have to give a lot of credit to the color, um, to the uh, coloring too. Um, uh, Rochelle Rochelle Rosenberg was the colorist, and 
the coloring in this book is just amazing. Nice. Like, it's really, it just, I mean, jumps off the page with these vibrant, just, I mean, like, vibrant almost isn't, like, a strong enough word. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, somewhere between vibrant and obnoxious, <laughs> but, like, more vibrant yeah. than obnoxious, but there's there's a lot of, um, just a lot of bright colors in here. I just, and, um, yeah, I just looked it up, wow. And it's just a, it's a fun story, it's... You know, it, it's Nick Fury versus Hydra, nice. and he is, um, and there's a flying car, and there's you know all these great action scenes, and um, Hydra's got a flying boat, so you got a boat and a car in midair, fun together, um, and uh, just one of the most fun books I've read in a long time, and and I felt like uh, like I saw a preview for this book a couple of months ago. And I only saw like two or three pages, and it was like kind of unlettered and even a little unfinished. But as soon as I saw like the preview pages, I thought I'm gonna have to check this out. This looks pretty cool. Um, so, you know, and and in fact, it's Dick Fury Jr. is almost like an afterthought, like because his I think because he's still kind of a blank slate at this point. Yeah. Like this really could have been anybody. In this story, it could have been Natasha Romanoff, it could have been Steve Rogers, it could have been Clint Barton, it could have been someone, Sam Wilson, it could have been someone else doing some sort of espionage type story yeah. in this, you know, in this kind of throwbacky uh, style. But because it's Nick Fury Jr., I'm a little more interested because I think, well, maybe they're finally going to do something with him and help him find his place in the Marvel Universe. And with uh, you know, James Robinson steering the ship, I feel like this book has a better chance than maybe if a different writer was right. Um, plus, I, I, again, with with the art, with this uh, Akko art and the coloring, I mean, this could be a fun book to read yeah. month in and month out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, just look at it. Um, how they, I mean, like, there's, like, this, it says Sky High Caper, and mm-hmm. it has, like, this full-color background, but everything in the foreground is just still inked. It's like, what the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of goes into the comic where it's all black and white, and the eyes still in color. Oh, it's just weird. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. But, and, and, and again, this is something that anyone can just pick up and, and read, you, you know, uh, you don't have to know who Nick Fury Jr. is. You don't have to know all the, like, how he got to where he is now. Yeah. he He's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's all you need to know. And he's fighting Hydra. Nice. So, it doesn't get more simple than that. I mean, there's, there's, there's something just so very pure about S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Hydra. Or, you know, Nick Fury versus Hydra. There, Any Nick Fury, I guess. There is, and then, and then you know, that's a great lead into my next review. You know, the pureness, you know, they basically, um, with the Secret Empire, and um, the allegiance of Captain America, not so pure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of controversy surrounding this book. Yeah. Do you read um, it? I read 
the the free comic book day issue, and I read issue zero. Oh, I thought that was okay. I read issue one, and the free oh, comic okay. book day one. Uh, now, from what I understand, issue zero, like okay, it's, more, it's almost more of a complaint, but also <laughs> you know, talk, like or a side you know side conversation. Remember when issue zeros never really they were more of just like oh you can read right. this but it does but if if you don't read it you're not going to miss right. anything okay issue zero leads to like like you kind of need to read issues yeah because wow I read issue one and was like wait when did the world go upside down <laughs> right once I haven't read issue one but from what I understand it's it's a lot of like Captain America in meetings with in, in Hydra headquarters and Captain America yeah. like that's accurate it's like it's like a corporate grind cap. yeah heroes on the run um, being hunted down because Hydra is now the new normal in America and mm-hmm. Captain America is having meetings with you know like you know Madam Hydra Baron Zemo Reaper yeah Arnim Zola Hive yeah. You know, it's like, what the... Like, what... Yes, yeah, so, so this... Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I... Like, again, from what I understand, that first issue was not very impact. No, it wasn't. It was a grind. It, it was kind of it boring. It was a grind to read, and it's double-sized, so it was even more of a grind. The issue zero was awesome. Ah, See, because... And I, I'm not trying to... I, I don't want to... No, I'm just going to, but I'm going to say, like, so I read the, the free issue, and I read issue zero, and I really enjoyed those two issues. And I understand, and I agree with the controversy surrounding this book, but, and and this is something we've probably talked about ad nauseum on this show, whenever they, you know, Marvel or DC or whoever does something to change the status quo and people lose their minds, it's like... It's not going to stay this way. Everything is going to go back. Eventually, they always always go back. And I, so this is just a blip in Captain America's see, story. That's, I think that's the that's the um, division that's happening between the fans and Marvel is you know because there is one, um, but they're mm-hmm. like the you know the last time I read uh, you know a mainstay Marvel book. Um, you know, they were picking up the pieces from the, you know, the smash, you know, the battle world, you know, I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, um, from secret. Yeah. Wars. And like, this mm-hmm. is their answer to that. Like, well, and yeah. And to, to be fair, Marvel, the way they're handling things is just been kind of a mess for the past. Two yeah. Years. And then the, um, like, like everything is just like, Wrong. <laughs> like the char- you know, like the characters are even joke, like they're they're basically joking what the audience is thinking. Um, you know, when Cap in the the free comic day, you know, Cap is revealed to be the leader of Hydra. Um, they're like, can't be. Is he a scroll? Is he um, LMB? You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, yeah, because yeah. it's not that long ago that the scrolls invaded, you know, and were body right. doubling, and you know, it's like. Oh my God! Like, um, well, everyone's like, "How did how did we get to this point? How did this happen?" Like, everyone, all the characters, all the 
the heroes are just dumbfounded. And, and you're right. I think that kind of echoes fans. Yeah. Like, how did how did we as a as a fan community reading these great comics for all these years get to this yeah. point? Like everything is just kind of a mess right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm but I'm interested in in it because for me, I've gotten to a point where you know I don't I don't like all the crossover stuffs, so I'm literally just reading the main crossover book you know like the main title and i'm not going to read mm-hmm. captain america or you know the, you know whatever spider-man's doing you know mm-hmm. in the shadow of this you know i don't i don't care anymore about all yeah. of that i'm, I'm not going to read any of the size stuff but i, I think i'm going to continue to to check this out um I, I feel like the only light at the end of this particular tunnel is the the plans that marvel has Post Secret Empire, with I guess is going to be their net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like this is the one that's going to write the ship. That's called I think it's called Legacy or, or Legacies, and they're going to. Um, they're eventually all the books are going to go back to their original numbering. Oh. And, oh, I did hear that somewhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So all the Marvel books that have been rebooted and renumbered and recast and uh, gender swapped and who knows what. Um, everything's going back to their original numbering, which uh, let me tell you, as a someone who's worked in comic book retail, that's gonna suck. <laughs> that is gonna suck hard because I, I I can't even imagine how the filing is gonna go. It's just gonna be such a cluster. I think um I think this the secret you know to um to filing. Sometimes it's just to look at the um, month, you know, the month and year on the inside, you know, in the credits. Um, like if it says July 2017, at the next yeah. issue, you know, even though this issue might be, you know, um, parallel dimension, you know, issue one, it's still in line with whatever book. Yeah. Right. But 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 just think about how uh, many how many Captain America titles there have been. There how many how many different Thor titles there have been? It's madness, and, yeah, for sure. Right, it, it is it is madness. I would just I mean we need to nuke it for just nuke it for more of it. Yeah, it's like you have to decide. It's, it's the only way to be sure. Each, <laughs> each store just has to pick their filing system and then own it. You know, like you have to, mm-hmm. um, you know, just go pure alphabetical. You know, or you go by, um, you know, I'm doing all Avenger books. You know, or I'm all Batman books together. You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just you know like or you go by companies and then alphabeticals that's that's actually what I do it in my long boxes um, mm-hmm. alphabetical um, well we all know you're insane yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll take we'll, we'll take that with a grain of salt <laughs> but I, I would think for a comic store I think strict alphabetical would be the best way to go I, I yeah. agree yeah in the strictest like no matter what you know whatever the first letter is that's what it is <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they change the title, well, then it's over in this other box. <laughs> but uh, no, but um, you know, as far as like the story, yeah, I think um, uh, I think I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I think of anything, I'm going to trust Nick Spencer, 
who's writing Secret Empire um, mm-hmm. to, to give us a, a good payoff at the end. Yeah, I I do... I'm in a broad sense. I I do I I have enjoyed Nick Spencer's mm-hmm. writing, and I've enjoyed like I said I've enjoyed the two issues I've read. So yeah. I just hope that after that issue number one kind of hiccup that after that it'll kind of pick up a little yeah. bit. Um, and I don't like I said I don't know why they even do issue zeros anymore. It's like because in, 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 at this point to me an issue zero shouldn't come out you know. At, either after or during the story, and it's like, hey, here's a little lost piece that might help, you know, solve the puzzle. Well, you know, like I said, issue zeros were almost kind of like, like fluff. Yeah, yeah. Issues where where if you if you decided you didn't want to read it, it wasn't going to impede your enjoyment or understanding of the story from issue one yeah. on. But. I, I'm pretty sure you, if you didn't read issue zero of Secret Empire oh. and it just jumped into number one, you'd be like, what, I, I, what's this? You story know, about? I was Robin Williams right there. I was like, what year is this? You know, like, I didn't, I'm like, <laughs> what am I reading? You know, like, what? How you long just, I, you just got you Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how, how long, how long have I been not paying attention to Captain America? <laughs> how long have I been gone? Yeah. How long have I been gone? Because, you know, now we have some of the heroes, like, um, you know, Cap still calls up the Avengers to now take off, basically take care of you know any dirty work that he needs done as a Hydra. Now see, and and I heard about that, and that's interesting because as far as I could tell, in issue zero, there was no like no switching of allegiances in that no, issue. It wasn't like they're like, oh, Cap's right, I'm going to go with him, yeah. even if he's all an right. Hydra. So they have like Odin's son. Um, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Doctor Octopus is now wearing spider armor again, which I didn't I didn't mm. know about that. You know, and the Taskmaster, Deadpool, and Ant Man, and they're all they're all in cahoots now, um, and they were all ones that stood against Cap. So I don't I don't know. I'm like, when did that? Like, when did this happen? You know, like what? You know? Yeah. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell us a a main book, you know, have the story in the book, you know, but, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, sounds confusing, but, but we'll just I, have to, I roll, it. you know, I roll with the punches with, uh, you know, with what they do, though. you know, and I'll, I'll keep reading it because I, I do want to see how it plays out. So they got me. Okay. Um, well, uh, speaking of rolling with punches, uh, I, Get it? You get it? I read Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka's Street Angel After School Kung Fu Special from uh, from Image. Uh-uh. And um, you said you got this. I right? picked it up. I didn't read it yet. But go ahead. I flipped yeah. through it. Okay. I, I well, there's know not what like goes a lot. You know. Yeah, it's not really like anything like spoilery. Um, and in fact, you know, so we, you know. We are fortunate enough to to know Jim. He's he lives in Pittsburgh, as do we, and um, we follow him on the social medias, and or and at least I do. I figured yeah. you do. Um, and he he posts a lot of his work in progress, so I've I feel like I've seen oh yeah bits and pieces of of this. Um, uh, clearly not the, the the entire thing, like not entire pages, but you know, you know he's. 
he puts a lot of his work in progress online. So I was, you know, really looking forward to this. I mean, I, I, I love anything Jim does. I'll just put yeah. that out there. Um, but his, you know, his exchange was kind of like his first, um, the first, like his first big character. Like I think he got published, uh, with, um, Oh, it was an indie publisher, and I'm um, blanking on the name. Slave Labor, yeah, might be, I maybe Slave Labor Graphics. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those two. Um, I think it was Slave Labor. So he, yeah, so he, you know, he published his first six issue mini, and then it was collected, and and uh, you know, Street Angel is just a story of this, um, a basically a, a homeless teenager. Uh, her name is uh, Jesse Sanchez, and People know her on the Sister Angel, and she's kind of just a kung fu badass. Um, she's not Asian. She's this skinny, awkward, gawky girl with, with choppy red hair, and she rides a skateboard, and, and she fights ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, it's such a surreal world that they live in that, you know, that we don't know a lot about her past. It's just that she lives on the streets. She fights ninjas, <laughs> but in this kind of this this one-off issue, she um she goes to this is like a day in the life of her going to school when she's uh, says you know when she chooses when she chooses to attend as you save in the world, um you know but even when she's in school she's still kind of a rough and tumble, take no prisoners just kind of like a hard ass, um and you know she she kind of mixes it. Um, mixes it up with a school bully and um, you know there's a fight going but then it's intertwined with just scenes of her doing normal kid stuff which is funny like playing dodgeball or being in the cafeteria or um, uh, operating a sewing machine in uh, home ec well it's not called home ec anymore it's a uh, family and consumer consumer yeah. sciences um, but it's just a fight and um, you know, a school dance and just all the, and, and, and of course there's a fight at the end and it doesn't quite go the way that it's supposed to go. There's a little bit of a twist and, uh, you know, it's, a, I never, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word cute with Jim's work because it's not like, but it, but in a sense there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, Still a little bit of innocence to this book, uh, and it, it is kind of cute. It's kind of like, yeah. Aw. you know, there's, there's, because there's, there's still, it's a story of just like kid be kid, but just so happens again that there's a homeless skateboarding uh, kung fu teenager that is in the school. <laughs> so, just a lot of fun. You you could pick this up, um, and. Just enjoy it. Uh, enjoy it for the story. Enjoy it for Jim and Brian's, um, or for Jim and Brian's story, or for you know, Jim's art, which is always a, a treat. You know, I could, you know, a, again, anything that Jim does, I've always enjoyed. So, um, and you know that it's coming out from Image is kind of, you know, it's great for Jim. I'm happy for him as a as a friend and as a local artist, and um, you know. We've we've watched him for years, um, and the you know the work he's he does is just you know, nothing short it's of always just, out of the box. 
is what I call that. Yeah. You know, like, it's always... Um, well, it's it's deceptively... <clears throat> yeah, you kind of... Sim- it, like, not, I'm, not simple, but, like... No, but you, know, you, there's, there's you think... There's detail to it, but it's... it's you would think, like, yourself. why didn't I think of that? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like yeah. you look at it and go, oh, I, I see... I see how he did that, you know, and it's just so obvious, like, that mm-hmm. I can't believe anyone else is really doing this, you know, but he's yeah. the only one doing it, you know. Um, like, doing yeah. the, um, uh, just writing, and, you know, like, when you open up the book, and it has uh, all the stuff scribbled. Oh. oh, all the doodles. Yeah, all the doodles. Yeah, how you used to doodle when yeah. you sketch in your, uh, your notebook and, or your textbook and... Yeah, yeah you're, it's just... you know, you're a kid in in school, middle school or whatever, and like me, oh my god, I, you know, that's all I ever did was work in the, uh, you know, in the letters of my, you know, my notebooks. Like I, I mm-hmm. constantly was drawing in the in the gutters, and he applied that to the design, you know, um, on the inside cover, yeah. you know, which is like this is so cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and it looks like, you know, J- Jim has this this ability to take something and make it look like it's something old, something vintage, something that was sitting in mm-hmm. someone's basement for thirty years. Right. Or so like you open this book up and there's pages that look like like dirty textbook pages yeah. that are all drawn in different in pencil and pen, different colors and. Um, you know, and, and he also he he applies a lot his um he he does his ballpoint pen style to a lot of this stuff, and it's <laughs> it's great. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah, Street Angel after after school kung fu special. Yeah. It's a it's a mouthful, but it's so <laughs> worth it. Worth checking out for sure. Um. Jeez, I have no transition for this. Um, oh well, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. You have failed. I have failed. I'm not good transitions. I don't like change. Um, That's okay. Now, um, so I had a little bit of commentary on the new issue of Walking Dead because you know we're it seems like we're the podcast that likes to discuss that book way too much. <laughs> but uh, um, the new issue of Walking Dead issue 167. You know, if you're adverse to spoilers, I'm about to spoil the issue for you. Um, if you are a regular reader, you will already know and saw this coming. Um, uh, of course, I'm like horrible with names. Um, <laughs> all right, Andrea is uh, the next one to punch her ticket. Uh, oh. Yeah. Andrea, very long time um, character in the book. One of the yeah, yeah, one of the originals. Yeah, um, very surprised. Like it was surprising last issue, you know, like because that's when you found out. Like basically, um, they were hurting. I won't spoil up the grand story, but basically they were hurting um, walkers to go over a cliff and fall into the ocean, and. Um, Names. Um, I can't think of his name. It starts with a D. Um, not uh, Dwight. Not Dwight. Um, the dude with the, mul- <laughs> the mullet. 
maybe it's not a D. Do it with the mullet. Oh, um, smart guy. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm running out of gas. No, um. Anyway, Eugene. that's the guy, Eugene. All right, that's probably the last name I'll need for this. Um, so Andrea, you know, and, and, you know, like a number of other of the characters were hurting, and uh, Eugene got trapped, and Andrea fought her way back through, and um, on the fight, she got nicked in the neck by a, by a walker. And so she was able to make it back to back to camp, you know, and um, by this time in the story, too, um, Rick and Andrea are, you know, they're a couple. I mean, they're hot and heavy. Um, Carl, you know, calls her mom, you know. Oh. Yeah, like it's, you know, it's that far. You know, their relationship, you know, uh, Andrea and Rick's relationship is that far. Um, and uh, so she comes back to Rick, and he's just like, oh, my God, you know, like you're going to die, you know. And, and so the whole issue is basically her dying, uh, which oh. is, it's, it's hard, but um, it's really done well. Like, Kirkman does a beautiful send-off. It's, it's a double-sized book. I think they even marked it up. You know, he just felt, you know, he needed the pages to tell this story um, about her, you know, going. And, and just, like, what a positive character she is and, and you know, how she's always um, pushed Rick to, you know, to always do the right things, you know, um, you know, but he's just miserable because he's just like, I, I can't go on, you know, like after, you know, I'm going to lose you too. I, you know, lost Lori, you know? Um, so anyway, like book plays out. Um, and, um, on the final page, I'll skip it again. Cause I don't want to spoil it for people that are reading it. Um, it's, it's very touching. I will say that a very touching issue. Um, but on the final page of the book, on the inside flap, Kirkman writes an apology letter to the fans that that hmm. he's sorry that he he killed Andrea. Um, and he goes, I feel like I killed a close friend. Um, you know, the deaths in the series are not taken lightly. Um, you know, and then he plotted, he basically says, I plotted this issue during a plane ride and, you know, uh, you know, through my eyes in the plane, you know, this, you know, um, and trying to plot it, um, and trying to think if there was another way, you know, where she could live and her and Rick could live happily ever after. And he's like, but yeah, this is, you know, it would have been wrong to not, you know, to not have it go this way. Um, and he goes, so Andrea's dead and the story moves on. Um, and he goes, I loved Andrea and I will truly miss her. And then he signs it. And um, here's all right. Hmm. Here's my commentary on that. You know what happened in this issue as well is you know everybody was talking to Rick and paying respects to Andrea, but you know here's Michonne. She's recently single, um, and she has a very heart-to-heart moment with Rick. Um, that anybody that watches the TV show would be like. Oh, they're totally getting together. You know, like that I I look at that and I go, okay, they're setting up they're basically gonna make now Rick and Michonne the new couple 
in the book. Hmm. It, it has to. Ha- I can't believe it wouldn't happen any other way because of the way that scene play out, which makes me skeptical about, you know, like, oh, I feel so bad about Andrea's death. You know, when he might just be trying to align to the TV show, you know, to try to make, you know, like, there are a couple on the TV show, and we're going to have Rick and Michonne as a couple in the book. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, I was like, that I almost don't, I almost don't buy uh, his his apology letter. You know, like, <laughs> I bought, I, like, I, lo- I liked the issue, I liked it, I'll play out. I'm even okay with them getting together, but I don't buy him saying like, "Hey, I'm really sorry I did this." When it sounds to me like it's it's like you just wanted it to line up with the TV show. <laughs> well, well, not only that, but I feel like no matter what kind of book you're writing or what you do as a as a creator, you should never apologize. That too. Because that's that, you know, then that almost in, infers that you did something right. wrong. I might not have even, and I would not have even read into it if he didn't put that letter in there. I mean, if you want to apologize for anything, apologize for cutting Rick's hand off. Yeah. But other than that, it's like don't apologize for writing your story because, you know, you like going backwards, man. Yeah, yeah, it just seemed really like, strange. At this point, a, yeah, an apology letter in there. Like after, yeah, I mean it. I don't think he's apologized for any character's death up to this point. It's like you're 167 issues into this, you know, this phenomenon. I mean, don't and that's apologize. what I I can't wait to see how the you know um, letter pages play out now for the book. Um, that if there's going to be a blowback about his quality letter and not about the issue itself, because that's that's mm-hmm. my issue. That's my problem with the. The book is his apology. Because <laughs> I just don't think it's it's not sincere when you can see that it's just trying to be aligned to the TV show. Yeah, you I know? Just, I think I think that was a good step on. on and it his bothers part. me. It actually bothers me as a fan of the comic book that they're that they would do anything that follows the show. Um, you know, the comic should dictate the pace, and the show should follow it. Like, it should never mm-hmm. be the other way around. And, like, I, I am like, well, why would he, you know, like, it's, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I could be wrong. But, you know, my instincts tell me that uh, that, that this was more mechanical than, than he's letting on. So. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, you have to keep up it on that. That's all I have to say about it. I'm done. Done with my Walking Dead rant. And scene. All right. Well, I th- <laughs> and, scene. and um, okay. Well, I got the. I, I think I've, I'm uh, pulling up the rear here. We got the last. Mm-hmm. I think the last that I'm going to talk about for this for this episode. Um, this was a number one issue. I don't think it's really a week or two old. Um, it's from IDW and it's called the uh, Night Owl Society. And um, I didn't know anything about this going in. Just it had an interesting cover. It's a bunch of um, it's five high school kids in various stages of looking like uh, like they're getting ready to fight. Like they got baseball bats and like their hands are wrapped. Like they're getting ready to 
to, to, to tussle. And there's a uh, guy in the background, in the, um, kind of a, almost like a James Gordon-looking dude, uh, glasses, mustache, and wearing a suit, and uh, got a sawed-off shotgun over his shoulder. So I'm like, okay, let's see what it's all about. So um, my, my, my one-sentence pitch for this book would be, what if the Breakfast Club went after Walter White from from Breaking Bad. Oh, um, now that that's that's a very yeah. simple uh, interpretation or ex or you know, description of this book. But what you've got is um, some high school kids and who decide to seek justice on their own for the the severe beating that one of their teachers took. Um, not only is he this a, a guy a teacher, he's a priest. Uh, they go to like oh, a private okay. Catholic school, and so you know when the story opens, um, it's already some time after, like a maybe a few weeks or so after the inciting incident. And but this kid decides I'm going to do something about it. So he's been doing these dry runs night after night at like four in the morning. Like he. We don't know how, but he knows who's behind it, and he's gonna he he wants justice. And slowly over the course of this first issue, he starts he realizes he needs help. So he starts enlisting uh, the help of some of his fellow students, and they're not even like these people aren't even really friends. Some of them don't even know each other. Like, but he he's putting a team together, yeah. and. There's nothing special about any of these kids. There isn't. There's no superpowers. There's no magic. There's no, you know, fighting skills. Um, these are just high school kids, and um, again, they're kind of all in there. You know, there's a there's a jock, there's a nerd, there's an outcast, there's this, um, but they don't all play to the stereotype of their station in school, which is refreshing. Um, like the jock isn't like this meathead dick, oh, yeah. you know, he's, he's actually like probably the nicest guy ever, but he, but he's also a simpleton, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's, he, he doesn't conform to what you would, what you would expect from, um, a, a large football yeah. Um, so it's, uh, and there's actually a twist at the end and, I am like I gotta admit I'm like man that this this first issue's got me coming back for okay. a second. So oh and, and the art oh my gosh the art was so good. Um, well first let me let me uh, give a little credit where credits due. So it was written by James Venhouse, who I to my knowledge have never read anything by him before. The art is by Pius Bach. Okay. Or or Bach it's just the last name is B A K. Um, Lettered by a friend yeah. of ours, Marshall Dillon. Uh, but the art by Pius Bach is... It's very uh, David Aja-esque. Both in the style and in a That's lot of the layouts. That's I was trying to think of, yeah. David Aja. And I think, I, I think in the back... And, and there's some back matter. There's like an interview with the two creators. And this artist, Pius Bach, actually cites... David Aja as an influence and you can really tell, but it's, you know, it's not like 
oh, this guy's just copying David Aja's style. Um, you know, there, yes, there are similarities, but, you know, I, I feel like I'm also making it his mm -hmm. own. But uh, between the, the style of art and a lot of the, the layouts, um, I'm like, wow, this... This is a this is some good art. Yeah, really. And I also like the color because they don't they don't shade anything. They just use very simple coloring. Yeah. Um, you know. It, yeah, it's not overly rendered yeah. or colored or anything like that. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, this is one I I, I really enjoyed, huh. and uh, I'm gonna be definitely gonna be picking it up. And like I said, the, there's a there's a last page reveal that just like when you when you read you're like oh <laughs> man okay now i see <laughs> all right so, well i'll have to i'll have to take a look at this myself so we um it's from like i said it's from idw and we did get a review oh, copy sweet. okay um so it, it should be uh on our on our drive so you want to check it out so I guess so. We're just about ready to wrap it up, and because um, I think we're probably both out of, out of, yeah. Out of voice. Yeah, I'm out moment. of drink, um, so I'm out of voice. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's all the comics we had to talk about. Um, one thing that I I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show, and I forgot, and this is kind of important for us for our podcast, is that um, as of issue, <laughs> as of episode 250, um, Comic Book Pit has partnered with. Uh, Sorgatron Media, which is a uh, a local um, uh, media network, um, we know the the person that runs it personally, Mike Sorg. Uh, he's a great guy, and he has been doing this podcasting. Uh, he's been doing po podcasting for yeah. years. I, I first met him at PodCamp um, back in the early two thousands, and uh, you know we've kept in touch. We've done projects with each other since. And um, he and his team invited our podcast to become part of their growing network of podcasts. Um, he does a lot of shows on his own. Um, he does a, like some wrestling shows and um, tech shows. And, I mean, just a lot of great content that he's constantly putting out. So um, I'll put a I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. But you should definitely check out. Uh, Mike's network. Um, we're gonna, you know, so so nothing is changing as far as our show or how we do our show or where you'll find our show, but just that we are, we are, you know, like I said, we're 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 joining up. Yeah. We're kind of like, you know, partnering up as it were. So um you know, he's he's local we're lo like we're we're all local to Pittsburgh and um yeah, yeah it's just it, it's just kind of a, uh, it, it's a good it match it is yeah he um he's a good guy i i um i actually got to throw uh this the sorgatron logo onto a comic book cover maybe it was uh oh my god it was so many years ago um, I did a cover for um, for John Towers, and uh, and he uh, it was a zombie wrestling comic, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, alongside the ring, had a, a guy holding the camera that said Sorgatron on it, 
<laughs> yeah. I remember that. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And uh, yeah, the comic book pit banner was up, you know, hanging there as well in the arena. So, so yeah, there you go. Nice. Maybe zombies be next, you know. Uh. You never know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we just wanted to mention that. Um, like I said, nothing is nothing is changing, other than that, you know, um, you know, hopefully we'll get a, a greater exposure um, to, to the wonderful group of fans that that he's cultivated over the years, and hopefully some of our fans will. You know, check out yeah. Mike's, you know, many shows and uh, video broadcasts and, and check, you know, because uh, there's there's probably something for everybody with, you know, on, on Sorgatron Media. No doubt. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, and a couple other things, just real quick. In, geez, uh, 10 days, hard to believe. But Three River Comic Con is coming back. Yeah. <laughs> ten days. Ten, ten sleeps. Yeah, they have until, uh, <laughs> ten sleeps until Three Rivers Comic Con. So it'll be here before you know it. Um, it's going to be back where it was last year at Century 3 Mall in West Mifflin. Great show. Um, last year, it's going to be a great show this year. Lots of great guests. Um, most notably, like uh, Mark Wade, Peter Krause, Scott McDaniel. Um, Wayne Foucher, uh, Robert Hack. Uh, I mean, too, you know, too many probably to, to list off, but it's gonna be a lot. And um, it's gonna be a lot. It's a two-day show. It's it's a, I mean, a purely comic book-based show. No celebrities, no autograph hounds, no wrestlers, yeah, no, nothing like that. No, just... probably no queue lines and no wristbands needed. <laughs> to bring it all back around. Uh, right. You, you get, walk in and you meet you get, people. Right. You get one wristband. Yeah. That's it. When you, yeah, when you, when you walk no, in, yeah, you pay true. your... But, uh, yeah, you pay your money to get in, you get your wristband, and then you just enjoy... Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, the last year's was so great. You know, like, we had a special episode just, just to talk about, you know, how much we raved about it. And, uh, oh, yeah, and I'm sure that'll happen yeah. again this year, too. Yeah, so it's been... Uh, we're both we're both going to be there again uh, in you know different capacities obviously but we're both going to be uh, yeah, yeah we'll both be there so we we'll have think, a lot to say about it I think we're even going to be on a panel I haven't heard the, all the details yet but I think we're on panel for something too right there's going to be a podcasting panel I believe on Sunday okay. right. um, so yeah once we know the, the details of that then we'll uh, put that out there yeah. and yeah, uh, and hopefully those details will be forthcoming. So. <laughs> Although I haven't checked the uh, website in a while, so they might be up there. I know some of the it's up there, but the times aren't um, set. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So we'll find we'll find out soon. So, and then um, June eighteenth, Father's Day, the Kennywood Comic Con. Oh yeah, which is a one day, uh, uh, kind of just a little comic show that they're putting on at Kennywood. And if you wear a comic book T-shirt, you get in for a measly twenty-five bucks, awesome. which is really good. If you if, if you try to go on any other day, pay regular price, it's almost fifty bucks, which is a little crazy. But 
Um, point bucks get in. That's then you get good. also get a um, uh, collectible comic book. Right. Uh, there will be artists and vendor, vendors there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be basically a great no. day to go to Kennywood, and then and then you also get like a comic con. <laughs> right. I mean, a, a, a comic con in an yeah. amusement park. I yeah. mean, how has this not happened before now? <laughs> um, the one thing, just to my run, you actually there's no cosplay allowed. Oh at, yeah. At this show because they don't want people walking around dresses whatever like so you can't Masks wear. Um, yeah. yeah, like you, like a comic book T-shirt is the extent of it. You can't wear masks, capes, hoods, right. anything like that. No fake weapons or swords or guns. Uh, you know, you got to remember this is still a an amusement park, still a public place, and it's a family friendly place. And uh, I know like the 501st is going to be there, but they are restricted to basically staying either in the pavilion where the majority of the vendors are going to be. If they're somewhere, they are escorted by, like, Kennywood oh, okay. staff. So, yeah, I mean, but, um, but yeah, we'll, stranger things have happened, though. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll link to both of those shows, and again, plus the, uh, you know, all this goodness at Sorgatron Media. Um, is there anything else I forgot? I think, I think that's, we, yeah, I think that's it. God, yeah. I hope so. It's like... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I got I got dust I got Hot. dust coming up yeah. out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that uh, amazing <laughs> visual <laughs> this has been episode two fifty one of the comic book pit. I'm Dan. And I am Scott. And we will see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>